Hello, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. I'm Della Akalatse, and this is my co-host, Daniel Rattle, and this is Soccer Not Football. So the reason why we decided to uh, create a soccer podcast was, you know, it's a pandemic. That's pretty much it. We were bored. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that about sums it up. We, uh, we like soccer, and we didn't really have much to do, so we decided to just make a podcast and talk about it. Mm-hmm. And thank you so much for tuning in to our very first episode. Um, you know, and hope you can stick around to see two middle school soccer legends just talk about the ins and outs of world football. Yeah. Yeah. So, they, those sixth graders really couldn't, they couldn't handle me when I was in fourth grade. I was way better than them. Yeah. Like, Seventh grade, that was my peak, to be honest. I I was just a baller, you know. I was just built different during that time. Mm -hmm. No one could no one could guard me, but then everyone else hit puberty. So they kinda they kinda caught up with me. But you know, that that six months was just like I was that I was Ronaldo. Yeah, in your own mind you were Ronaldo, yeah. All right, so we are going to start off. Um, today was the first day of the international break. And we had some games that uh, occurred uh, today. Uh, we'll start off with Belgium and Switzerland. So Belgium played Switzerland uh, today, and it ended in a 2-1 win for Belgium with Michi Batshuayi scoring a brace. I'm not going to – I'll be honest. I'm a huge Batshuayi fan. Um, I loved him when I was in Chelsea. When he was in Chelsea, I wish he had, like, more playing time. He's currently on loan right now in Crystal Palace. That's another Premier League team. Um, It's funny because so far he has scored the goal three times. He has scored three times. But all three of those goals have been offside. My favorite part about that game was uh, Belgium had Thorgan Hazard start for them. And currently he can't get a game at Borussia Dortmund because the United States has a 17-year-old winger who's playing ahead of him. And I just think that's quite incredible for where our program's at right now, considering two years ago we couldn't qualify for the World Cup. And now we have teenagers starting at major world power clubs and they're starting over Belgian internationals, German internationals. And, I, yeah, I didn't watch any of the game, but I, I took that tidbit <laughs> away from it. So I think that's I think that's a good sign for the progress of the USMNT. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Seventeen years old, and imagine losing your spot to a seventeen-year-old. I'd be I'd be sick. And um, it's funny because Thorkin has a season has our spider, obviously, and he was with Eden when uh, he was at Chelsea. So he's like, oh, okay, I'm not getting playing time. I'm going to join a big money team, which is dormant, and now I can't even get any playing time over there. So I don't know what to tell you. You're doing well enough to qualify for the team, to qualify for a national team, but, you know, won't You're be there for brother. long. Yeah. Not your brother. <laughs> I mean, Hazard hasn't been doing – he's been struggling with Real Madrid, 
Um, you know, caused a bit of an injury bug throughout the last year uh, with his big money move. Um, do you think he might be able to turn around? Um, it's it's hard to say, especially when players go through injuries. You don't know how they're able to adapt and recover for them. Um, I still think he has it in his locker. Uh, I don't know if we saw – it was last week, I think. I think it was this mm-hmm. Saturday for uh, Real played Valencia, and I, I'm pretty sure Hatton had scored a nice goal in that game. Um, yeah. So, I mean, he, he has really struggled with injury. I think he's missed like 70% of Madrid's games since he's been there. It's just been hamstring injury after groin injury after ankle injury. And he can't get any consistency. He can't get into the team. And uh, he's kind of lucky that they're playing without fans right now because they would for sure be giving him the Gareth Bale treatment. They'd be booing him. They'd be whistling him off the pitch. And we know how that situation turned out with Bale. He's, he's back at Spurs. Uh, guttling up with Mourinho right now. So, yeah. yeah. Definitely an interesting dynamic over there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad that Bale has returned to his roots. Um, no, he looks much happier over there. Um, and Spurs looks dangerous. I'm not going to lie. Spurs do look dangerous. Um, we'll see how that season progresses, how their season goes. You know, the old story of Spurs, you know, they're the ones who always put pressure. They're putting pressure, but, you know, never lifting any silverware. So, I don't know. Spurs Spurs are really dangerous. I think Han Sung Ming is a top five player in the Premier League. That's This is a personal opinion of mine, but just just the way he moves up and down the wing, the way he can combine with Harry Kane, like, he, he's a dangerous player. And people don't give him respect because he's, he's Korean, he's not English, he's not Brazilian, so he doesn't get all the hype. But if you watch him play, he – him and Kane makes Spurs tick, and it's they, they're really deadly when they're on. They can play mm-hmm. with, with any team. They can play with Man City. They can play with Liverpool. And if, if Mourinho can kind of make a couple tweaks to the team, if he can add that defensive solidity that he's brought to pretty much every team, I know Spurs are the laughing stock, but watch out for all Tottenham. Tottenham can do it. I, I think maybe not this year, but next year as well. They'll yeah, be able to think of things. Yeah, I definitely feel like if this is the time for Spurs to make their mark, this is it. Like this is their window, but like, who knows how long that window will last? You know? Yeah, I just yeah, feel exactly. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Liverpool, like I felt like I feel like their window has already been closed, in my opinion. Like they're, I feel like they are a considerably weaker team than they are before, and obviously the loss of um fan fan dark fan dirk will definitely hurt him um in the in the seasons to come it's a long game it's a long season with the fa cup and the efl cup and the champions league and the key part of your defense the one who makes everything click and he's gone for potentially like potentially uh most of the season it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a massive blow. There was also news that came out, I think, yesterday or early this morning that their other center back, Joe Gomez, picked up an injury for, uh, in the English training uh, for their uh, friendlies in the National League. So that's another part of their back line that's already gone. They're already missing Fabinho with a hamstring injury. And as you said, Van Dyke has that ACL tear. He'll be out pretty much the rest of this season. And now they're out Gomez, so they're out there. Their top three center backs are gone, so it's going to be – they're going to have to have some young guys step up. They're going to have Trent Alexander-Arnold 
actually defend. And I think you're right. I don't know if this year is going to be the year for them. But I don't know who's who's going to take it from them because Man City doesn't look as clinical as they usually do. They've slipped up a couple early times this year. Um, as I said before, it's Spurs are there, but Spurs always Spurs, so they'll probably mess it up somehow. Chelsea are flying high right now, but mm-hmm. they got a lot yeah. of new players, and I don't know how how Lampard will get that that back line together. They've done better as of recent, but the, those first couple games, they were just letting in goals. So West Brom and these lower level teams that they should not have been having that much trouble with. Mm-hmm. I feel no. The way I'm looking at the table right now, and you know, I want to call it too too early, but you know, it's been four years since Leicester City won the title. Can we be looking at a repeat? <laughs> I I'm gonna say no, but they. I mean, last <laughs> year they were second for a lot of the year. This year they've looked really solid. The thing with Leicester is they don't have a lot of depth. If they're if they're missing one or two key contributors, if they're missing James Madison or Vardy or Wilfred and Didi, they're they're struggling for parts. Those other teams, they have massive squads. And, you know, Liverpool are, are out three or four key players, and they're still they still have Saudi Mane, Mohamed Salah, Jordan Henderson. They're still really solid professionals in that team. But Leicester City, you take away their their top line, and it's they're still good, but they're not great. So I don't think Leicester can do it. I think they can finish top four this year. I think they yeah. can they can stick it out and and get top four. But to win the Prem, it's a little early to say, but I don't think so. Yeah. Still, a lot of surprises have been happening this early. Uh, in the early uh, stages of the European seasons, um, who is in top of the La Liga? I know it's not any of the big teams. I want to say – it's not Valencia. It's not Valencia. It's, uh, what team did uh, David Silva go to? He went to Sociedad. I think Sociedad are top of the league right now. It's, he's he's been doing pretty well with them. They had they had a solid year last year. I think they finished in a Europa League spot. But David Silva's come in and they've played considerably better. That's a steal for them too because he was supposed to go to Lazio. Lazio thought they had an agreement with him, and then at the last second, Sociedad came in, swooped him up, and. Now he's off to greener pastures in Spain. Yeah, and Lazio was really petty about that. They weren't happy at all. I mean, I wouldn't be either if, if I thought I was getting a player as good as David Silva and he was just like, nah, never mind. Like deuces, you know, psych! <laughs> yeah, and speaking of Italy, Milan is on top of Syria off for the first time in eight years. That's a long time. Do you think, and they have been carried by Zlatan, who that who doesn't seem to age. Um, he feels immortal. Do you think they can keep it up? Um, if you, I think they can. Syria right now is wide open. The traditional powers, Juventus is having kind of a transition period right now. They got Pirlo as their manager, and they're a good team, but they're not a great team they have Ronaldo and Delict, who are their two cornerstones but if they're without those two guys it's kind of it's they're kind of an average team to be fair they don't have those those giants that they had in the past Inter is a solid team but they're all old guys they're all really veteran players so you don't know how they're going to last through a long season especially with the congestion 
that mm-hmm. this season, that this 2020 season is going to entail. You don't know how those players can get up for, for two games in a week or three games in 10 days. It's, it's harder for those old legs. The Dark Horse team is Atalanta. They, they score a ton of goals. They're a really fun, exciting team to watch. I, that's definitely a team, if people don't know about, I definitely recommend Atalanta. They're just, they play a fun style of soccer, very attacking, very, very enjoyable to watch. When, when you think about the beautiful game, you think about Atalanta and how they play. Um, but yeah, Milan have been off to a firing start this year. I think, yeah. I think AC can, they can take it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm rooting for them. I'm rooting for them. Most of them for Atalanta. They're definitely fun. They were definitely a fun team to watch uh, over the last year. Um, you know, it's just, and they're one, like the teams, the city that Atalanta is in was definitely impacted by the pandemic. Uh, so it was just really inspiring them, inspiring to see them progress and overachieve, not say overachieve, but. Oh, no, um, they definitely overachieved. They have the, <laughs> they have the wage budget as of a middle table championship team. So, oh yeah. Literally, yeah. Literally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, I love how they're just smashing the norms of how a team can be constructed and just like reject the idea of big money. You know, as long as you have that team spirit, that team culture, I feel that, you know, any limitations you have, that could be overpowered. I agree. I agree. It's, it's hard to estimate the power of, of, I guess I'll call it spirit, team spirit. You know, you, Sometimes it doesn't mean a lot, but sometimes it can really bring players together and they can be better than the sum of their parts. And that's exactly what I think Atalanta are doing right now. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So while we have some surprises in some of the major European leagues, we have some results that are still the same. PSG are still leading the league. They so, but um, Lil, the team Lille is only five points behind. And who is on the way? Tim DeWeya. Um, he's been gaining some minutes. He had a rough uh, first season over there. Uh, um, really just like, really just taken out by hamstring injuries. And it's good to see him back and playing and hopefully find his form that made him so popular at PSG and Celtic. Yeah, I don't know if you want to transition over to USMNT now, but I think where has been this season has been disappointing, but it hasn't been because of him. It's simply just been because he hasn't been getting any minutes. He hasn't gotten one start this year, which is partly due to his health and his two hamstring injuries he had all last year. But the coach just doesn't seem to favor him right now. He's opting for for younger guys, for for different guys, and I. I want to see him out there tomorrow against Wales balling out. Cause I think, I think Timothy Wea, he's not going to be his dad. He's not going to win a ball on door, but he can be a really damn good player. He's, he's exciting to watch just the way he, he controls the ball with his technique, the way he passes. Like he's an all around really good soccer player. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to get too much into details because we have a whole section left. But I definitely have high hopes for Tim Leia. I still have high hopes for Tim Leia. So hopefully he'll be able to find a situation where he can succeed. Um, so moving on to the Bundesliga, um, Bayern is still on top per usual. 
but a little bit of pressure from uh, RP Lexvig and Dortmund and Leverkusen. It was tight. It's a tight race so far. It was tight uh, last year, but as we all know, Bayern was able to pull away. Uh, you think it might be more the same? Yeah. Um, Bayern just beat Dortmund this last weekend, 3-2. It was an exciting game. Dortmund gave him, gave him a good shot, but, I mean, any team has trouble with Bayern right now. Last year they won the treble. They won the Champions League, the Domestic Cup, and the league, and I don't – they're primed to do it again. They have suffered a couple injuries. Uh, Davies is out for a little bit. I think mm-hmm. Joshua Kimmich, Kimmich he yeah. might have just gotten hurt in the last game. Yeah. So those are two it's key players. Serious. Yeah. I think it was the torn meniscus. So out at least three, three months. A couple months. Yeah. That's, that's not good to see. I like Kimmich. He's, he's that typical German player. He's, he's like mean spirited, kind of, kind of nasty, but just all around like good player. He can play, he can play anywhere on the pitch. He can play right back. He can play center mid. He can play center back. Um, yeah, he's a he's a solid player. They'll they're definitely going to miss him. But I I don't see anyone else challenging Bayern. Dortmund are solid. They got Holland up front. He's a he's might be the second best striker in the world behind Robert Lewandowski, who Bayern has. So mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see. Yeah, tough challenges. Bayern has had a winning streak for at least what feels like a decade. Hopefully it can be broken. I'm a big fan of parody. Everyone, I want everyone to eat, but I know, you know, that doesn't happen often in world football. Um, So, but so we had a little bit of a sidebar talking about club football, but uh, with the pandemic pushing uh, some of the start dates back, and with the extra amount of competition some teams are able to do, do you think it's a good idea to still have international games, international periods? Because I know that was uh, a point of concern for some, for some people. I mean, personally, my opinion during the pandemic would be probably not to have international soccer just because you have different players mixing with each other and just the, the logistics of it gets – kind of kind of mushy we saw like last international break a bunch of players got it ronaldo got it uh, other players got it and that's that's just gonna happen in general right now if you're traveling around the world it's not that those players weren't being safe or weren't trying their weren't you know following Mm -hmm. covid protocols but that that just happens when you travel around so personally i would say no but i i'm enjoying it because then i get to see I get to see the soccer and, and watch it. So on one hand, I think maybe not a good idea, but on the other hand, if they want to do it and they feel like they can do it safely, I say, let them do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a point of contention for me because, you know, we want to be safe. We want to make sure like we're not spreading it, but at the same point, it's soccer and being without it for so long, like you would take, you'll take any point of soccer you can get, you know? Um, and there have been, like, some instances where players have um, violated some COVID-19 rules, if you didn't know. Um, Mason Greenwood. The whole Mason Greenwood, yes. <laughs> I was literally going to say that. My bad. He got my bad. I, didn't, I didn't mean to steal your thunder. No, no, no. Um, yeah, Mason Greenwood and Phil Foden, two Manchester um, – did you uh, 
players from Manchester, Manchester United, and Manchester City. Um, they got caught locking and uh, had invited some um, Nor was it Norwegian or Finland? Uh, I don't even know. It was I think some, it was Swedish, but yeah, some Nordic, some Nordic girls. Swedish? Yeah, I want to say yeah, some Nordic uh, girls, some blonde girls. They're definitely blonde. And uh, yeah, they invited them to their hotel room, which was a big no-no. And they did the rookie uh, soccer player mistake of not confiscating the phones because they were caught live on camera. They caught them on camera. Yeah, that was that was kind of that was kind of funny. I'm not gonna lie. When I first saw that, like I didn't believe it at first. I was like, "What?" But then I saw the tape, and I was just like, "Ah, they they really got him." <laughs> Like this is 4K. How they yeah. get you in 4K? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So obviously uh, the coach was pissed and they were kicked out. Um, I don't know if they're back in the squad for now. Um, I think I saw Foden was back. I wasn't sure about Greenwood. Yeah, I think Greenwood might be staying out. Um, they do a lot of rotation. I know Tammy Abraham of Chelsea, he caught some heat uh, for a surprise birthday party. Um, so it was his birthday. Um, he didn't know his friends. That was his story. He didn't know that his uh, friends were throwing a surprise birthday party. He came in. Everyone was there. A lot of people. Didn't look like anyone was wearing a mask. So once the media caught that, they just ran with it. Um, I don't think – I think – he had to miss a game for that as well. I actually hadn't heard about that story, but that's that kind of sucks if it's true. I, I feel like people rarely want to be throwing a surprise birthday around now, but you never know, you know. Yeah, some people they just want to like celebrate, you know, like oh, look at our pandemic, you know. That's why we have soccer in the first place. Is you know what? We just need to play. We just need to get this money. So yeah, yeah. Um, so pandemic the, um, and soccer is still a point of contention. It's not going away anytime soon. This is going to be the new reality for what looks like going to be a while. But Probably at least we can enjoy. year at least, unfortunately, at least. Yeah, literally. Be stuck in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gonna be a tough situation, but at least we'll have soccer to deal to deal with it. And speaking of soccer, I want to get into the next international game: France versus Finland, the fifth-ranked team against the fifty-fifth-ranked team. You would think this would be an easy cakewalk for France at home in Paris? No, they got wrecked two-zero by Finland. Uh, do you think it's just a little hiccup or? You know, might be something more for the World Cup champions. Well, my my first question is, how are the World Cup champions ranked five in the world? I don't. That doesn't really make sense to me. They won the World Cup two years ago, so how have they dropped four spots since then? That without any major tournaments, that doesn't make sense to me. The FIFA rankings are are atrocious. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, you know you know who's number one in the world. I'm pretty sure it's Belgium. Belgium. Yeah, I think so too. Um, but back to your back to your original question. Uh, yeah. I just think it was a hiccup. I, I'm pretty sure right now they're just playing friendlies. I don't think these are like nation leagues games. So you always got to take friendlies with a grain of salt. I remember 
when was it 2013 when uh, the u.s beat germany and netherlands in friendlies and i i was really hyped about that i was like oh we beat two european powers like we're gonna be so good and yeah look how that turned out for for us so obviously you don't want to lose especially to a team like finland who's not really uh, a power they're just kind of one of the the mid european uh teams but i don't really have any doubts for france they got so much talent on that team they just have to figure out who goes where and they'll be fine they'll be fine yeah yeah I will say, you know, it always gives me pleasure whenever it seems that Anthony Martial is on. It sucks, and um, he's part of it. So, you know, I always rouse the opportunity for Anthony Martial slander. Interesting. Why is that? Why don't? Why aren't you? Uh, why do you like the Martial slander? Why is that? Where did that come from? I just, I just feel he's very overrated. Um, he's not worth uh, the. He's not worth his value and his attitude just seems it's like a turnoff. And also it's just easy to make fun of him, especially with uh, his, uh, you know, uh, extracurriculars that he had back in the day. And plus he's a United player. So that's a good reason. Yeah. That's a good reason to hate him. <laughs> yeah. The only United player I don't hate is, Sir Marcus Rashford. Yeah, well, he's just a good person. So yeah, everyone kind of got to root for Rashford. He's he's just a, he's a good dude. Yeah, I feel like he's the only like saint in the Man United team because the rest are in jail or or like fighting with people or just assholes or like cheaters or <laughs> yeah yeah. Ole needs to get together if he's still gonna stay around. Just a little sidebar. It's just always amazing to me how uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, the coach of Man United, every time he, he's on the brink of being sacked, he's able to turn into Sir Alex Ferguson. I, I really love that meme online where it's like the, uh, the guy sitting back in his chair and then it's like Ole's job is on the line and then he, and then he sits forward to play his game. I, I love that meme. That describes him perfectly. I don't, it's, it's, I don't think he's not trying some games. It's just sometimes they look absolutely terrible. It's like, how is this team going to win a game? And then other times it's like, how is this team going to lose a game? They look, they beat Leipzig 5-0 two weeks ago, and then they they went home and they, who I forgot who beat them, but they lost at the weekend to a much inferior team. I think it was yeah. – Well, yeah. It was um, – yeah, it was definitely in the Champions League. Um, I'm blinking right now. But then they come out and beat Everton, who uh, was leading uh, the league for, for quite a while. So, you know, it might be a, a case of the Kings, but the only, the, the only big purchase that they had was Cavani and Vanderbeek. And I don't think, like, two pieces isn't that big of a change compared to what Chelsea had, you know? Especially with uh, with their positions of need. They didn't really need another center mid. I don't really know why they got Van de Beek. Like, he's a good player, but you can't play him with Fernandez. You can't play him with Pogba. And, like, he's not a defensive midfielder, first of all. Um, Cavani, like, he's a, he was a solid signing, got him off the scrap heap. PSG let him go for free, and he's just 
world class. He's going to be good no matter where he goes. But he misses a lot of chances. He's always done that throughout his career. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Man United's transfer strategy is not very smart. The the Glazers and Ed Woodward. They, they have no. Have. Yeah, they have no transfer strategy. Yeah, Chelsea's transfer strategy is just to get like a thousand players and loan a couple, loan like eight hundred of them out, and then make profit that way. But Man United's strategy is just to throw money at random players and hope they come good. Yeah. For all the criticism for Chelsea's like loan army, at least we have a plan for that. You know, at least we like, we know what we're doing with that. We have like a whole system in place, you know, and we have a whole support system for the players who are out on loan. And what United is doing like the same in these past few years is just directionless at this point. Do you ever regret uh, some of the players Chelsea have gotten rid of? Because it's like, if you look at some of the players they've gotten rid of, they could have a starting 11 of the Champions League team. Do you ever, yeah. is, there, is there one or player you're, you're really sad that they got rid of? Um, if anyone, it would probably be like De Bruyne because he's like the best out of everyone so far. Um, I wish they brought Lukaku back. Um, I'm a big believer in like everything happens for a reason, you know, like they had to like struggle or like they had to not be successful in one team to find success in another. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so you think if like De Bruyne or just as an example, De Bruyne, if he didn't go through that failure at Chelsea, he might not have been able to, to succeed at Wolfsburg and then succeed at Man City like he's doing right now. Yeah, because Marino was to give him chances. So he went to Wolfsburg with a chip on his – I felt like he went to Wolfsburg with a chip on his shoulder, and that attracted attention from a lot of European clubs, obviously Man City, who uh, bought him, and he was able to grow into a leader. And he is a leader in Manchester City now. And, like, he's such an integral part of that team at this point. And I don't see that happening if um, he stayed at Chelsea. Okay, that's a fair assessment. I'll give you that. Yeah. So yeah, the Borna and um, with and the other teams in Belgium, they're the number one team right now. They're going to play in the Nations League in a couple days. Um, I'm gonna be honest, the Nations League is still very confusing to me, but we're gonna do our best to just look over it and see. You know, who do you think are your top contenders? Um, I'm, uh, Portugal won it the first time, so I don't see why Portugal isn't going to be the favorite this time. They got Ronaldo, as we all know. They got João Felix, who's been balling up at Atletico Madrid. Um, and I just think they have like a, a weird knack for tournaments. They're just they're they're good when they need to be. And mm-hmm. the, as we see out today, France was struggling. Um, a lot of the traditional powers aren't really good right now Spain and Italy are going through transition periods they're kind of like I saw Italy's team today they played Estonia I think they played like a team that I knew like three players of and that was just really disappointing to see um so I think Portugal is is the favorite again yes and if we have more results like Portugal did today against Andorra by tuna 7-0 Everyone was eating that game. 
then I don't see them not uh, not repeating that title. So they start the group matches um, to the, tomorrow this week, and it will progress all the way up to next year. So we'll definitely be covering that um, in the next uh, future episodes. So with that, we wanted to move on to something that is very uh, close to us. Uh, we've been burned by this team before, but no matter what, we always keep coming back. Yes, we are talking about the United States men's national team. So we have, so without a friendly play throughout the summer and throughout the first international break, we finally have two friendlies. Uh, one against Wales, which is going to be tomorrow, and one against Panama, which is going to be in, on the 16th. Um, Coach Greg Brohalter has brought his uh, squad, his 23-man squad, now 22, uh, with the loss of Christian Pulisic for injury rehab. Um, the youngest age around early 20s. That's the average age. It can be at least 23 I know Tim Reed's old ass has brought it up exponentially. <laughs> but oh, yeah, Tim Reed. He was he's been a good professional for the US men's national team. That's that's some undue slander, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm not a big Tim Reed fan. I want younger defenders. I don't think he's gonna stick around for the next stage, you know? Like if we're gonna go into a rebuild, if we're gonna go jump into the young pool, then go straight into it. But, but I feel like I they, don't, they did go into it. And then he's just like one of those older guys to, to be like the locker room glue guy. So I kind of show everyone what to do. You know, he's that that true professional who, who just puts his head down and, and goes to work. And that's, that's what you want to teach the young guys. You need, you need someone older who maybe can, can let a fire under their ass, you know, yell at them and, and, and get into him, and he commands that respect just because he's he's been a professional for so long. But I, I but I do hear it, it, I would yeah. like to see those younger guys get opportunities to play minutes, and I and I think they will. I think this is just kind of we're still going through that transition period, and he's he's that guy to kind of bridge the gap. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I don't see Tim Reed as a leadership type of guy. I just feel like he's just been there for so long. He's like, oh, yeah, let's put him in. And he's played in Europe, too. Um, you know, and, like, make him captain. I don't think he's a captain-type player, in my opinion. I might be wrong, um, but right now that's how I'm feeling about him. And then who would you say on the USMNT is captain material? Who, who in this current squad of 22-23 players you think has the, the best chance to be our, our future captain? Weston, either if it's not going to be Pulisic, if don't they don't, if they, yeah. I just feel like they'll just put it on him just because, like, he's the main guy. Like they did for, like, Neymar, and, like, he was captain during the 2016 Olympics, and he was like, I'm done with this. I don't want to do this no more. I feel like it might be John Brooks. If he can play with the team consistently, DeAndre Yeldon or Weston McKinney. 
Yeah, I think McKinney's a good shout. I'd say McKinney or Tyler Adams. Those are both two guys who are who are young up and comers who they just they have really good leadership qualities. Whenever I hear them talk, whenever I hear them speak in interviews, they just speak with such passion and such intelligence. I don't know if that's the right word, but just such such a beauty of, of the way they speak. It just you want to. Like, especially with Tyler Adams, I would run through a brick wall for that man. That man could get me to do anything. He is just such a motivator, such a, such a positive person. And I, that, that's my vote. My vote would be Tyler Adams. Yeah. 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 He's definitely going to be a major part of the U.S. in the upcoming years. And I just feel like he's so versatile. You can put him in any possession defense, uh, midfield, attack. Um, he's going to be the Swiss Army knife of the U.S. men's national team in the in the years to come. So um, I know we talked a little bit about the players, but let's do a quick um, player by player breakdown of who we have in our current squad, uh, what they're doing right now, and um, how they fit into the team. So let's start with our U.S. number one, Zach Steffen. Um, he was on loan uh, last year, but he's now back in Manchester City. He has gotten some minutes um, playing some EFL games, some League Cup games. Um, obviously, you can't beat Ederson. He's still behind Ederson and looks like he's going to stay behind Ederson for at least the rest of the season. Um do you think that's going to be detrimental to his development? I don't think so. Um, it definitely would be nice for him to be playing every week, but to be training every day with uh, Pep Guardiola in our system, I think, especially for one season, I think that can only improve him. Um, he's still kind of young for a goalie. He's only 25, so he still has some room to grow. And just being in that environment and that, that big of a club, I think it, it can only be a good thing for him. Um, I, we always knew that he wasn't going to start over Ederson. Ederson has been the Man City number one for a few years now. So we knew he was going for a backup role, but even in a backup role, I still think he, he's in a fine position. He doesn't need to be, you know, starting just to be our number one. If you look at like Sergio Romero, um, there was another keeper who I can't think of right now, but he was a backup at Manchester United for, a few years and he would start for Argentina and he was a baller. He was maybe their, their second best player at the 2014 world cup. So you, especially for goalies, you need to be playing week in week out. Mm -hmm. Okay. No, no, I definitely see that. I know some goalies who have been, who, who aren't starters and they still perform well internationally. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting how his situation goes with uh, Manchester City. Um, it will be a repeat of what happened with Tim Howard at United, or we'll be able to stake a claim uh, with uh, Manchester City, and we'll see. And so next up, we have Ethan Horvath. Uh, he is in Club Brugge <laughs> in Belgium. And, uh, yeah, um, he is finally getting minutes with the team. Um, I know he had a rep patch uh, a couple years back. And uh, if, you did, if you weren't aware, he finally started in the Champions League match, um, which is very emotional for him, very 
a heartwarming story for him. Um, do you think he'll be able to get a chance to play in any of the friendlies? Uh, I wouldn't expect against Wales. I think Stefan's going to be the starter against Wales. That's that's kind of in Berhalter's MO. Um, but maybe against Panama, we could we could see him get in there. Uh, not as like a pity start, but as like a we believe in you. We still value you. Um, go out and show us why we value you kind of the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lastly, for our uh, our third keeper, we have the first of our new age young guys in the camp, and that would be Chidoru Odunze, who currently plays in, for Leicester City's under-23 team. Um, I would not expect him to get any minutes in this camp. It was kind of just uh, that he was a European-based player and that they just wanted to invite him to the camp to be familiar with the guys and, and have that first true uh, senior call-up. Do you have any right. info on a doomsday? I mean, I don't. I haven't really seen him play too much. I just know that yeah. he's been in Leicester for a couple of years now. I will say the man is. It's is a basically a tree. He's six foot seven, so um, he definitely has the look. He has the physical capabilities, but still, still very, very raw. He did start a couple games for the U.S. at the other seventeen World Cup. Um, so. He has been uh, with the so he has been with the U.S. setup. Um, time will tell if he'll be able to develop with uh, Leicester City or if he had to go alone. It's very early, but it's good for him. Um, good for his uh, mental for him to be able to get a call up to the uh, to the men's national team and work. Um, and be part of that young group and have the opp- at least have the opportunity to uh, get a potential call-up. Um, do you think someone else should have got that third spot? Yeah, I don't. Uh, to be honest, goalies, I don't – it's not that I don't care. It's that I don't care. <laughs> like, <laughs> the, the goalie spot, aside from our starter – it, it doesn't really matter to me. There's there's a couple guys in MLS that maybe I would have liked to have seen in the camp, but since this was a, a European, pretty much European-only based team, um, I don't really have any any gripes over this. I'm not, like, devastated that we didn't get another goalie in there. Oh, no, we, we don't have any MLS players. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. We, we do have one, I, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I will say – Thank you for MLS for pushing back through season. So no American, so no players, so so no MLS players can be part of the squad. That's all I have to say so far. Um, yeah, but yeah, moving moving on. Um, we go into the defenders. Of course, we have Tim Reed. Um, we discuss him. He's doing. He's back at a Premier League team with Fulham. Fulham is uh, promoted. Has been promoted to the Premier League, but it looks like they're gonna fall right back down. Um, but expect them to get solid minutes uh, with the team while he's there. And like you said, he does have the opportunity to be a 
to be that bridge between the old guard and the new guard. And now uh, moving on to John Brooks, um, a man who came flying out the gate. Um, the win against Ghana, the last minute header um, when he was 20. Yeah, he was like 22 and it's like 20, 22. And he's still playing Germany. Um, had knocked out some injuries that would have stopped him from playing a little bit more for the U.S. But now he's back, and uh, I'm still hopeful. You know, I'm still looking forward to seeing how he performs. Yeah, he's he's always been hurt in the past, which is a real shame because he's he's a real solid defender. He he knows what he's doing up to the back. He's he's big and burly. He he knows when to make challenges, um, and he's been doing well for Wolfsburg the last six months, nine months, because he's been healthy. He's been able to play. Um, he's really shown that he's a, he's a solid center back. Maybe not a world beater, but he's definitely, if he's healthy, he's, he's in our starting lineup for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And next we have Matt Miaska, uh, another Chelsea uh, loney uh, from Anderlecht in Belgium. Um it appears so. I would hope he will be game minutes uh, with them. Um, three starts, three games already, uh, which is promising. Um, definitely need some playing time to improve and see if he can. I don't think he will be a Chelsea player. I'm just being honest, but um, definitely like getting European experience is key. And we need all we can get at this point. Um, so yeah, we all, we haven't seen him with the national team that often. Actually, we have seen him national team very often. Um, Eighteen uh, appearances. Um, yeah, so he's looking like um, he's gonna be. How, where how how you see him in the depth chart? Um, well, how I see our depth chart is we have John Brooks at one and then from like two to like 14, there's like, there's like 13 guys who you can <laughs> pretty much pick and pull and put in that center, second center back spot that there's guys who are about equal, um, in their ability. So Miazga is definitely one of those guys. He's, he's kind of similar to Brooks and that he's, he's big and burly and nasty. He's not afraid to to get after it with the opponents. I don't know if you're familiar with his, uh, his antics against Mexico and Diego Yanez, but mm-hmm. yeah, he was making fun of him cause he's short. Um, but yeah, he's just, he's a, he's a pl- plug and pull player. He, he can really go anywhere and just, you stick him out there and, and he'll do a job defensively. He, he is prone to mistakes. He is kind of error prone, but if he can clean that up, from his game, he he's a solid second center back for us. Yeah. And now we have Reggie Cannon. Um, he got his starts uh, in the last Gold Cup. Um, I felt like he did pretty. He pretty. He was pretty well. He was with FC Dallas um, during that time. He has now moved to Portugal, um, playing with. Uh, Boba Fista, and um, 
Uh, he's been getting some playing time. Um, six appearances so far. Um, hopefully, with this European experience, he will get. He will be able to develop and take that number two spot. I have high hopes for him. Um, I liked his style of play um, during the Gold Cup. Um, you know, and it was good for him to get that uh, international experience playing with uh, like teams who are going that we're going to have to play against for World Cup qualification and get adjusted to you know, like, oh, playing in uh, Estadio Azteca or playing in a wet field in Trinidad or <laughs> or in Panama or Honduras or, you know, they got to get adjusted to that. So the sooner, the better. Yeah, I think Cannon is a, a great example of how much better our team is now than we were even two years ago. He's probably our backup right back, and he's playing in Portugal, which isn't, you know, the best league in the world. Bella Vista aren't world beaters, but it's better than playing in MLS. And he's definitely earned that move abroad. His play for FC Dallas was was re- pretty, really good. He was definitely flying up and down the, the wing at right back. And he's done good for himself at Bella Vista. Uh, they kept a clean sheet against Benfica two weeks ago, one of Portugal's top teams. Um, and it, I'm interested to see in his development. Um, I think he can go play in a European top five league a few years down the line. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to see how he develops. I'm also looking forward to see how and Tony Robinson develops. Uh, he was with Everton uh, in the beginning of his first cap. Um, he had a rough couple of games uh, against Brazil and uh, got crossed up. But against Neymar, who can blame him? Uh, he was on loan with Bolton, and now he is playing with Fulham as uh, currently with fellow uh, U.S. member Tim Reed. Um, so looking forward to his uh, process, his, his development as well. Yeah, he might be uh, the starting left back against Wales. I have a suspicion that that's where he might be playing and. He's going to be playing as kind of like a, a wing back. So he's going to be running up and down the pitch, swinging and crosses. And he's, that's what he's good at. He's maybe not the best defender, but he's good at getting enough field, closing down space, and, and whipping in those crosses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now – and then we have Chris Richards, uh, who just joined Bayern Munich who is with Bayern Munich um, uh, with like as with Reggie Cannon. Um, he was also with LFC Dallas and he was able to get a contract with Bayern Munich. And now he is getting minutes for the team, three appearances so far after 2020. And the fact that he's been able to break through with such like a world beer type team is definitely promising. Like that's the team that won the trouble. Um, just dominated every other team, you know, like, like they were the favorites to beat that whole uh, Champions League cycle. So for him to get that experience is, you know, definitely promising. Yeah, he might not be playing every weekend with Bayern, but when he's out there, he looks like he belongs. He's only been out there a couple of times, but he looks like 
you know, he looks like kind of a rookie. He definitely looks like he's a young player, still a little bit raw out there, but he, he looks like he's belong. He's good with his feet. He's good with positioning. Um, I'm definitely excited to see his development. He definitely can develop into our best center back. And if he becomes a player that I think he can be, well, our defense will be okay for a few years to come, especially if he's lined up next to our last defender, Serginio Dest. Um, I remember the day he committed, we both were, we both were juiced about that, that he chose the United States over, over Netherlands. And this is why, because we, we want to see him out there. He's, he's a flair player. He does all his tricks and skills, quick feet, quick passing. Um, still needs to work on his defending a little bit. Uh, he got megged in that Mexico friendly, uh, I think it was in August, September of last year. Um, so mm-hmm. hopefully that doesn't happen against Bill and Wales, but yeah, those, those are our, our two young stars playing for, for Barcelona and Bayern Munich, which is kind of crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. The very, like, and I like how he is getting adjusted to the team already. Uh, Sergio Dest, um, his comments that he had during after the La Liga game, which Barca lost, I think three one. Um, you know, it pisses me off. Um, I like that. You know, he's it's like he's he's taken to a whole new surrounding, like a fish out of water, like a fish in water, fish in water. Yeah, he's, so, he's you know, I like Sardinio. Mm-hmm. He's not afraid to get rough and tumbly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, should we move on to the to the midfielders? Yes, let's do it. Uh, well, let's start. I'll ask you. We'll do the midfielders a little differently. Is there anyone you're you're excited to see? Is there anyone who you're you're not too familiar with, or anyone you just want to talk about first? So let's go with. Um, we can just start with Sebastian Legit. Um, he got called up um, from the MLS. He's with LA Galaxy. Um, he has had some um, games with the US time to time, but like nothing too major. Um, he's so this is an opportunity for him to showcase what he's got and um, see if he can make something happen. I know, I believe he was in the Gold Cup though. But I'm not totally sure. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He hasn't had that breakout game with the U.S. that feel that feel warrants um, a call up. If he wants to be part of this new wave, you know, if he wants to be part of it, then he has to step up his game with the team. No. I know uh, Burrow Hunter is going to call MLS players when he can. You know, it's something I have to accept. But, like, if he does, then I want them to be – I want them to fit in the system and I want them to be successful, you know, not get embarrassed by other players. I think you're, uh, I think you're a little hard on Legette here. I think Legette's a really solid player. Um, yeah, he hasn't gotten a lot of minutes for us, but when he's come on, he's – Changed games. Uh, there's been a lot of times where he's really like stale and pragmatic and not really full of ideas. And then Legette comes in off the bench, and then within two minutes, our team is much more energized and much more dangerous going forward. And I, I think that's what he brings to our team. He brings that that quick feet, the this those good ideas in the attacking third. Um, 
Just because he plays an MLS doesn't mean he's a scrub. And I, I, you're giving MLS a bad time over here, but he, Lejet's a solid player. I wouldn't be surprised to see him start against Wales, um, but I also wouldn't be surprised to see him start against Wales. But yeah, he, I know, he was only I mean, in the squad because uh, Josh Sargent was not released by his club for Bremen, so Lejet got the call up in his place. We should mention that. You're right. You're right. Sargent wasn't able to get the call, which is kind of disappointing. But, you know, there will obviously be more opportunities for him to uh, make an impact. And he has scored a goal um, in a tie uh, with Wendell Berman. So hopefully we have, he will be able to spark. It will be a spark for his uh, club career, which was getting kind of stagnant um, last over last season, admittedly. Um, so with the midfielders, we have a lot of young midfielders, a lot of players who are looking forward to getting their very first cap. Um, we can start off with, I want to say Yunus, uh, Musa. He's 17 years old. Uh, he's been a regular for the England youth national teams. But he gets his very first call-up for the U.S. men's national team. Um, he has made seven appearances for Valencia this far. And he actually scored his very first goal uh, during one of those games. So I feel like uh, obviously deserved um, this call-up. And with the limited amount of pool that we have, um, I don't see anything wrong with this. Um, hopefully he gets, a, gets some minutes so we can – um, uh, captain him, but obviously, um, you can still, I feel like you can still play in the friendly and still switch teams, right? Correct. Yeah. So this isn't a captain camp, but it's, it's just good to get him in and familiar with the program. Cause he's a quad national. Actually, there's four different countries that he could play for. As you mentioned, he played a bunch in the English youth system, but, uh, he grew up in Italy for like the first nine or 10 years of his life. And uh, he's also eligible to play for the, the Ghana national team. So we're trying to steal him away from, from you guys over the, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I didn't, I didn't know about Yunus Musa until about 10 days ago, until he got mm-hmm. the, until the roster came out. Um, but I've, I've looked him up. I've watched a decent amount of film on him. And he looks, looks like a solid player. He's playing on the right mostly for Valencia, but he's played a lot in the, in the central midfield. Um, in his youth days, and I think that's where where Pro Halter sees him. I think he actually has a direct quote that he said that he sees him as a as a box to box midfielder. Um, yeah, uh, Th- those are that's another... one of the guys looking for his first cap. The uh, the other three are uh, Johnny Cardoso, who plays for Internacional in the uh, mm-hmm. Brazilian Serie A. Uh, we got Richie Ledesma from PSV. He's playing. He just made his first senior appearance for PSV, got an assist. And we got Owen Otisoe, who is a midfielder slash defender currently playing for the Wolverhampton Wanderers under-23 team. Um, do, you, do you really know anything about any of those guys? Are you excited to see anything from any of those guys? Do you expect any of them to play this weekend? Uh, I don't see them playing. I don't see, them, I don't see any of them starting, but – I definitely see 
some game minutes, definitely um, Cardoso. Um, we kind of um, – I don't know where Borhalter will be probably on playing Adams. Um, I would – if he doesn't play him in the defensive midfield, I would assume um, Cardoso will get some minutes over there at least. Um, yeah, that's probably his, his spot. If Adams yeah. isn't playing DM, that's where – that's where Cardoso would fit in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, out of Tosi's best chance would be at center back. He does play center back as well um, because, you know, there's just Brooks and just like who is who's it going to be, you know? So it's like, hey, why don't we just put him in there to see how he plays? But, you know, all three of them, um, all, all three of these new midfielders, um, they are progressing well. They're, um, ma- they're already making contributions. They're getting solid minutes. And, you know, they definitely earned their caps. And hopefully they will be awarded with, uh, with their very first cap. I think, it's, I think it's likely that we'll see Johnny play at some point. Um, he actually goes – by Johnny, just he's like a true Brazilian. He just goes by Johnny, but he also has his full name. So there's people on Twitter trying to start the the Johnny Football as his nickname. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna carry on that train. His name is Johnny Football. Uh, I think well, he has the yeah. best chance of playing just because of the position he plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's our, probably our only backup defensive mid, whereas Ledesma and Otisoe are either Otisoe's too defensive and Ledesma is more of an attacking mid. So I think the lineup that he's going to put out there, we won't really have an attacking mid uh, per se. We'll have kind of the wingers be the attacking mids. So I yeah, think, yeah. I think he's just kind of a, a call up another one, like uh, a Dunze. That's kind of just like, we see your progress. We're glad of what you're doing. Um, come play with us and we're building for the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously. Um, and then we have the top midfielder, the one who has uh, the two top midfielders with the most appearances, uh, Tyler Adams and Weston McKinney. Um, we talked to them about them a little bit. Um, the two possible future captains of the U.S. men's national team, both, with, uh, both had recent big moves. Um, Adams with RP, uh, RB Lesbig where he had that crucial uh, goal to knock Atletico Madrid out of the quarterfinals. Um, And McKinney with his big move to Juventus from uh, Schalke, um, already producing an assist. Um, Right now he's uh, just recovered from COVID-19, doing it all, doing it all. I think these guys might be U.S. men's national team players for a decade. These are both guys who are just entering the the start of their careers, and I think they're only going up from here. McKinney and Adams both have really good mental side of the game, but they also have the physical tools, and I think if they can just keep working hard and keep putting those two together, that they'll – they'll be tearing up CONCACAF midfields for the next eight to 10 years. I'm, I'm fairly confident of that. I'm really excited to see Tyler Adams out there on the field. We haven't seen them him out there for, I think, 18 months now. 
The last time yeah. we saw him was uh, Gold Cup friendly, uh, 2019. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm really excited. I think he's our best player. I think he's better than Pulisic. Um, he just doesn't get the credit because he's he's a defensive midfielder. <laughs> I know that's a bold claim, but he's he's the guy who's going to be controlling the midfield, putting out all the fires for us. Um, maybe doing even a little distribution. Uh, and while it's important that we need to score goals, and Pulisic is probably our our best goal scoring threat. Adams is going to do a lot of stuff defensively and a lot of stuff offensively. So I think he, he's, he's the key for this team and I'm excited to see him go to work. Yeah. Now, now that I think about it, like defense is such an underrated um, component of playing. Like everyone's focused on the goals. Um, I remember, um, which is a great documentary, by the way, All or Nothing. I haven't seen the second season with Tottenham and uh, Marino, but I did see the first one with Jose and uh, with Pep. With Pep, and um, he was just talking about like a key component of his game is having a strong defense, and that's the reason why he spent like a billion on defenders um, because you know it just makes everything click for his system. And for them to, like, make sure we're safe in the back. Um, once he saw, like, a threat, once he saw a deficiency, he would try to find a way to fix it. Um, kind of what Chelsea did as well uh, with the defense. A lot of leaking goals um, over uh, last season. Improved. Uh, Brian reinforcements. Thiago Silva. Um Brought in some competition, uh, brought in Eduardo Mendy to put pressure on Kepa, and now he has taken his spot. Um, so it's so you always have to keep improving your defense, and Tyler Adams definitely has that defensive-minded quality about him uh, that makes him so so versatile and so durable. Um, definitely very underrated as under the uh, men's national team. Um, everyone wants, yeah, you're right. I feel like everyone does put Pulisic as like the savior, but you know, it there are eleven, there are still eleven players out in that field, you know, and Tar Adams does a great job of making our making everyone else's lives a little bit easier. Exactly. Thank you. That's a, that, was more, that was a more succinct way to say what I said. <laughs> you know, we, we just think alike. We just think alike. Mm-hmm. So now we're up to the forwards. Um, we talked about Tim Dewey and his uh, struggles. He's finally back on the team um, after what I feel for is like a year absence. Um, like I said, going through injuries. Um, still in a contentious uh, situation with his current club, um, but you know if he gets a start, I'm ho- I'm hoping for the best. I'm expecting nothing but class. I think especially because Sargent got sent home. I think way is going and Pulisic isn't playing. He's going to start somewhere. He's either going to yeah. start up front or on the left wing. Uh, but mm-hmm. Timothy Way is a guy that I I root incredibly hard for. He's just such a likable guy. I feel like I've said that about like seven guys on this team, but he's just yeah. such a hard worker. Just he, he's going straight to the top. He's a guy that mm-hmm. it's easy to root for. And 
he, he's also a really good soccer player, and hopefully he can he can show us some of that on uh, these upcoming two friendlies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now we have Ulysses Lanus, who is, as of now, the only goal scorer this year for the U.S. Uh, he scored in the friendly in March against um, – against – Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Yes. Thank you for reminding me. And now he has gotten his second call up. Um, he was playing with LA Galaxy. He moved to Wolfsburg. Uh, and now he's on loan with SC Herberdeen, which is in the Netherlands. So. Uh, looking forward to his development. Um, and, uh, yeah, do you have anything to add? Um, I thought this is a guy who I've been paying attention to for, for quite a while. He was tearing it up in the U19 Bundesliga last year. I think something like in seven games he had like nine goals and four assists. Granted, it's against 19-year-olds, so it's not like the the transition to playing grown adults is going to be – that similar, but he just he just generated a lot of interest and a lot of buzz. Um, but he wasn't able to break through for Wolfsburg, so he got a loan to Herenveen out in the Netherlands, and he still really hasn't been getting that much playing time. That's kind of been upsetting to me. I think he's gotten a total of like 54 minutes in three games this year, three substitute appearances, um, which is not great. I would like to see him playing more, but as he proved in his first cap for the U.S., um, he's dangerous. He did score a penalty, but it was a well-taken penalty. You still got to be able to score the penalties. Uh, and he he looked he still looked good in the combination play out on the wing. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him start instead of Pulisic. Uh, yeah, this is, I I'm excited about this entire team. But Yuli Yuli is a a great guy. Yeah. Um. Now we have um, a player from France, uh, Nicholas Giocchini. Hope I said that right. I probably think. Giocchini? Giocchini. Giocchini. There you go. Yep. Um, Plays as a striker and a winger in the French second division. Um, He has consistently been starting with the team. he has, now has two goals in about seven games. Um, do you see him? Since, so since Sargent isn't playing, and we don't have like that clear striker, um, do you th- do you see him like getting minutes in that position or at least starting? Yes, he might not be against Wales, but I definitely think if he doesn't play against Wales or get a substitute appearance, he'll play against Panama. Um, he's Aside from Sebastian Soto, who we'll get to in a second, he's really the only out-and-out striker that we have. So I think if Berhalter wants to just keep things simple and play a player in his actual position, he'll play Giochini. And, and Giochini yeah. can do a job. He's a, he's, a, he's a solid player. He can play with his feet. He can play with his head. He can, he can combine. He can get in behind. He's, you know, league de might not be the best competition, but he's, he's doing well. He's another guy to to look out for for the future. That's kind of like the 
the summary of this entire camp is just kind of a, a look ahead to the future. We've, we've, there's been a lot of hypotheticals, especially without a game for, for nine, 10 months. Uh, but the future is going to gonna come tomorrow. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, exactly. This is like, I feel, I want to get too ahead, but I definitely feel this is going to be a new stage, a new chapter in the men's national team. Like this we're in the cup now, in 22, and then we're bringing it back again in 26 in our home country. I'm saying it now on this podcast. You heard it here first. <laughs> Please check back in 2022. Um, if Daniel is right, if not, then what are you going to do we, for us? I swear to God, if we fail to qualify again, I'll shave my head again. <laughs> oh, my God. I still remember that. I still can't believe we shaved your head. I, it, hey. It grew back really fast. I'm really surprised. It only took five months for it to grow back, but yeah, it's back now. <laughs> yeah, that, that cone head wasn't doing you any favors. Wasn't attracting the ladies. Nah. Like some, I mean, I was, like, I, I don't know what Jeff, yeah. I don't know what Jeff Bezos was doing with that, but like, you ain't no Jeff Bezos. You ain't got money like Jeff Bezos, too. Exactly. But I, I digress. I digress. Um, yeah, um, Sebastian Soto, he has moved to a new club. Um, he was having issues with his own one. Um, he's with or- North City in the championship, and he's off off to the running. He, um, five goals in, in seven games, uh, and last year he was part of the Under-20 World Cup. He definitely made an impact and statement there as well. Um and like you said, he's one of our better prospects at Spiker. And this is going to be a great opportunity for him to get his first cap. Um, I might see him starting. And um, to really, like, ingrain himself. Um, this is someone I've been expecting him to be a part of the U.S. squad for the next couple of years. So, Yeah, I remember during that uh, U-20 World Cup, you, you sent me some things about Sebastian Soto and I got excited about him, but he kind of, he kind of went into limbo last year. I don't know what happened with him, him and Hanover, which was his former club, but they kind of just didn't play him for an entire year. So we had a whole year of his development kind of just thrown to the wayside. Um, now he's out. Now he's actually out on loan at Telestar, which are their second tier team in the Netherlands, uh, and that's where he's been balling out. He's been playing really well for them, scoring a bunch of goals, scoring volleys, scoring in behind. Uh, maybe not the best competition, but he's at least playing now and playing well. So that hopefully that confidence can can lead him into a good place with the, with the national team. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And now um, we have our two big names. Um, obviously, Conrad... De La Fuente and Giovanni Reina, two players who are also in big uh, major European teams. Um, Barcelona and um, Borussia Dortmund. And they have, well, I can't say for De La Fuente, he's still waiting to get a start or gain some playing time. But um, Giovanni Reina, he has gotten his first start. Uh, and he's off to the running. Like, he's been playing. Um, he got promoted to the uh, Dortmund team over last season, and now he's making 
his claim. He's been a consistent starter, definitely making an impact. And, um, and of course, he is a son of a former um, U.S. player as well. So good to see that continue, continually. Continue. And, his, <laughs> and actually, his mom was also on the women's national team. Most people don't know about that, but she was a very good soccer player herself. Mm-hmm. So he comes, from a, he comes from a good bloodline, to say the least. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he, he was born – yeah, he was born to be a baller. Yeah. I'm I'm very high on Giovanni Reyna. When uh, when Pulisic was doing his thing at Dortmund when he was 18, 19, I was kind of I was kind of lower on him just because I was trying to curtail my expectations. I didn't want to get mm. too high and you know turn have him turn out to be another Freddie Adu where he's supposed to be the next Pele and then is out of soccer in four years. But I think Giovanni Reyna is the real deal. It just just the way he's out there, it just looks like he's. Looks like he's dancing. It just looks like he's just like free flowing, just like doing his moves, looking looking real solid, and just looks like he belongs out there. And he's only seventeen years old, so just think about where he can be in two years, and five years, and seven years. And if he keeps improving, he can be scary good. Yeah, yeah he actually turns uh, eighteen on the thirteenth. So if they win. He's definitely going to celebrate tonight, <laughs> that night. Exactly. I go out to the bar. I, I don't know what the, the drinking age is in Wales is, but. Oh, definitely, definitely 18. Okay. Yes, he's yeah. going to get drunk. <laughs> Nobody having a fun night. Yeah. Hopefully get some dressing room, like, details as well. You know, be, be a fly on the wall. Um, yeah, the team is looking to be gelling. And then, of course, we have Conrad De La Fuente. Uh, He's also another um, player uh, with Barcelona. He has had any minutes left. Uh, we'll see how he develops. Barcelona are kind of in a weird situation right now. Um, but Ansu Fanti is hurt at the moment. Um, so hopefully um, he might be out for an extended period of time, which sucks for him, uh, which is he's such an um, up-and-coming player and um, definitely – Wish him all his speed recovery. But uh, as he recovers, you know, hopefully it gives uh, Del Fuente a opportunity to get some minutes. Yeah, that, that's a great point. Uh, I think he tore his meniscus, like Kimmich did, so he'll be out three or four months. Um, so, yeah, hopefully Del Fuente can get some of those minutes. I, you know he won't be playing on the right wing because they got, they got a small Argentinian guy uh, taking that position already. But – I think he can he can get some minutes for the first team. He's been playing with Barca B, uh, logging minutes, scoring goals for them. I think it's just a good sign that the coach and the team wants him, the Barcelona coach and the Barcelona program. They want him with the first team. He was called up at the in the last year for the Champions League game. So it's definitely someone they have their eye on, someone they're they're looking out for, and. I I kind of hope next year he gets a move away, but that's that's a different story. We'll we'll talk about that another time. Yeah, I don't I don't really think he'll play in this window, but you never know. Yeah. So there we have it. We have the twenty two players who will be playing against Wales and Panama uh, uh, over the international break. And this really, I really feel this is something that I've been waiting for 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 a very 
very long time. Um, just a bunch of young players that, that used revolution. Um, that is a bunch of promising players. And now we have them all together. And now it's up to Greg Berhalter to not fuck it up. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's been a lot of hypotheticals the last year. A lot of like, what if we get this guy and play with that guy? Like, oh my God, how are they going to play together tomorrow? We're actually going to see it happen. And that's what I'm most excited about. And yeah. to be honest, we're probably going to be let down just because my expectations are, are so high right now. I, I'm just like excited to see them out there. They, they might disappoint us a little bit, just, you know, come out a little flat or whatever, but it, it doesn't matter. I'm still going to be excited either way. Even if they lose yeah. 5-0, I'll, I'll still soak it all in. I don't know about 5-0, but I definitely am excited, you know, and obviously there will be some growing pains. Um, they all have different systems they play with their club, and with the national team, it's a whole different story. Um, some teams are able to have it clicking. Some aren't, uh, as we've seen with, like, other um, national teams. It's definitely – about like setting a culture and if we can set a culture then uh, we have a guide to take us to 20 um to next year and 2022 um so big important events coming up for 20 um wait, for wait, the US before, you, before you get to that is there yeah. is there anyone who was left off the roster that you were sad didn't see didn't get a call up or were you were you okay with this this roster that we uh, have? I'm I'm pretty good with this roster. Um, I wish Sergeant was let go just to see um, because we don't have that like oh that like number one striker yet. Sergeant is the closest that we have, but he hasn't like asserted himself in my opinion. Um, I will say. Because of the MLS, we did miss out on Jonathan Lewis. He did get some playing time um, during the Gold Cup. And um, I would like to see uh, his some more of his development. Um, I don't know. Did, did DeAndre Yeldon get hurt? Uh, no, he just hasn't really been playing that much for Newcastle. He's, yeah. I think he might be third choice right back for them. Behind a couple of their guys, yeah, he he definitely needs to get a move away. He, I, I've heard rumors that he might be coming to MLS next year. Uh, well, that's. I would hope he would want to keep playing in uh, Europe, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bash Europe. There are a bunch of I'm not gonna bash MLS anymore. There are some good players who are in MLS who have contributed. Uh, Jordan Morris, for example. Um, not GRC Sardis. Um, <laughs> yeah, Sardis slander on the time on on this podcast. Anytime you bring up Sardis, I'm gonna blast him. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, but yeah. Sardis isn't great, but he's he's good at what he does. He's he's good at positioning himself inside the box, and he can, you know, he's a he's a target man. That's what he is. He's good at that. Yeah. He's not gonna. He's not but gonna. For it, someone, yeah. Go oh, sorry. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. He's just. He's not gonna. You know, hold a play. He's not gonna do ticky taka passes. But actually, he's good at holding a play. He's not good at ticky taka passes. I said that wrong. Um, but 
Yeah, he's he's not great. I'll give you that. He's definitely had some bad moments. There's definitely been some Mozart as moments, but he's genuinely been okay. He's been solid. And this year with the crew, I know you don't follow MLS, but he's he's been good with uh, Columbus this year. They're they're one of the best teams in the East, and he's for surely a big reason why. I will say his career was definitely given the like his U.S. career was definitely given a boost because of his familiarity with Greg Berhalter. Um, he was also uh, the coach for the Columbus Crew um, back in the day, uh, so definitely like that familiarity definitely like served him well. And yeah, he did take his chances uh, when he did, but at the same time, he got benched for uh, Josie Altador, who is definitely past his prime at this point. Um, I think we've seen the last of Josie Altador, except for his farewell match. I still believe he should get one, uh, like how Donovan got one, because he still contributed a lot to uh, to the game. But, you know, if he's on there, I would, like, I won't want – like, he's definitely not my first choice, obviously. Are you talking about Zardes um, or Altador? Sardis, Sardis. Yeah. Um, Mark, and one other player that I will that would have liked to have seen, um, Mark McKenzie. Um, he only has one cap so far, but he is a young player with the Philadelphia Union. Um, and what I've seen so far from him, um, definitely impressive. Um, he, scored a, he, scored, he scored his first professional goal um, last month. And, yeah, he has that imposing figure. Um, I don't know. I like him. I like him. So, yeah, hopefully – I'm a big fan of McKenzie, yeah. too. Uh, yeah. He's, he's definitely one of those guys when the 2 through 13 that I said that he definitely uh, has a chance to to separate himself from all those other guys. He, he, ha- he does some things that other center backs can't do. He's pretty good at passing the ball. Uh, with both feet, which is not something that our center backs are accustomed to. And he's also just a good defender. He just knows how to put out fires. He's good at positioning, pretty quick, strong. Um, he's he's another guy that I'm rooting for. I think him and him and Richards and Brooks are gonna be gonna be fighting for those two two places. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that competition. It's gonna bring out the best of him. I'm I'm really looking for the best. And yeah, um, we, I feel like we have like a really good, like strong young core for 2021, which is the uh, Olympics. We still need to get through qualifying for that as well. If we could, if we do that, that would be very huge because um, you can only have three players over the age of 23. And I just don't see any reason. Well, uh, hopefully, with the pandemic, things might slow down, or things might get to some sense of normal for like for them to just bring out the main squad. I mean, this team almost is a, a pseudo Olympic team. Uh, most yeah. of the players are are twenty three or younger, so this will be a good yeah. a good barometer to where we're at. I don't think all these guys will play Olympics. I don't know if like uh, the Pulisics, Adams, McKinney, those kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Pendant starters. I don't know if those guys will go to the Olympics, but all the guys, the tier below and below, can 
make an impact at the Olympics next year. Yeah. Yeah. It would be a big boost if like Pulisic and them were able to play just to like get those extra eyeballs. It's like, Oh, because like everyone wants to promote the U S or like anyone wants to promote like anyone who's like part of the U S and like competing in the Olympics. So like gain that coverage will definitely give us some extra exposure leading up to the, uh, to the world cup, which Admittedly, we, we lost a bit of that momentum when we failed to qualify. No doubt. Yeah, that was – I still remember being in my dorm room and just fucking crying over that. I was – I, <laughs> I was just done. Right I was done, yeah. But I think we're in a much better place now than we were then. I don't think we're all – I mean, I did. I would have said this before, but I don't think we'll ever fail to qualify again. I think if we have a coach Knock who knows what they're doing, and we we have the player pool now, that's the most important thing. Our our players are just better, and they're they're challenging themselves abroad, and I think they're setting the blueprint for for the future generations of what to do. Because mm-hmm. the goal isn't to have one Pulisic; the goal is to have a bunch of Pulisics or a bunch of McKinneys, You know. We're not yeah. we're not banking on this these one guys to you know be our saviors. We're we're hoping that there's twenty of them, there's fifty of them, there's a hundred of them, so that collectively our entire team can be better. And I think that's what's that's the way we're trending right now. Mm-hmm. Simply put, like you couldn't say it any better. And I think with that, I think we are good to go. Um, thank you for tuning in to our very first episode. Uh, we hope that you will be able to stick around um, past the added time. And um, we're looking forward to many more matches uh, to come. We'll be talking about all things soccer. And hopefully it will be a little educational lesson uh, for you as well. So stick around for the next time. And until then, this is Della signing off. This is Daniel. And, um, yeah, this has been Soccer Not Football. Take care. Bye. (laughs) Deuces.